It's that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Happy Monday, TJ, here on 1450, the sports buzz. What a big weekend it was, and we've got plenty to talk about from this weekend. Kentucky gets a big win. Louisville gets a big win in a very unlikely fashion. Indiana with a, a huge, huge disappointing loss the way that game unfolded. We're going to talk about all three of those conference tournaments are set. And we are less than a week away from Selection Sunday. This time next week, we will be talking brackets, filling out brackets, uh, talking about the easiest roads to the Final Four, the toughest, who's in, who's out. In a week, we'll know if Murray State ends up making it, speaking of teams here in Kentucky. So uh, this is, again, the best two weeks of the year start right now. Uh, I, I love conference tournament play probably more than uh, than your regular college basketball fan. Uh, it, it's all the fun of March Madness and all the fun of having games on during the day all week uh, without the pressure if your favorite team ends up losing. So uh, I'm ecstatic and, and happy uh, that we finally made it this time of the year. The weather is starting to cooperate, which it's it's tough to be in a bad mood when you've got great weather like this. Uh, so I'm eager. I'm eager to do today's show. Uh, but before we get to that, Yates, how are you? TJ, TJ, I'm okay. You're just okay? I've been better. Oh, no. What's wrong, Yates? Well, I I, I hate to have to, to break this news, but... This this will be my last week as part of the sports talker. And and Yates unfortunately told me this news last week, uh, and so I've had some time to kind of get over it. And I and I wanted you to share that news with us uh, to start the show because then we can just you know we can move on. Uh, but the the worst news about it, obviously losing you and you not being part of the show moving forward is going to be incredibly disappointing. But on your last week. We're only scheduled to do two shows, Yates. I know it. That's that's very disheartening. I I was terribly disappointed that it had to be this week. It it, it is. It's disappointing and, and such a such a great week. And I talk about how excited I am for it. Uh, we are only we only are scheduled to do two shows. Louisville baseball scheduled to play three other days uh, this week. So it should it could just be today and Thursday. Now, if there's a rain delay. Uh, or uh, the game gets canceled because of rain. I think there may be some rain later in the week. Maybe we can get a show in. We'll have to see. Uh, but but some disappointing news to, to start uh, with, with Yates. Moving on to to other things, and it's we can we can say our goodbye Yates on Thursday, and we'll do an ask we'll do a special ask Yates Wednesday on Thursday without a doubt. We can make an exception for that. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I was hoping that'd be the case. Since we won't really get a, a true last Ask Yates Wednesday, but uh, we'll, we'll save the goodbyes for for then and uh, do what we do best: talk a little sports and maybe maybe get sidetracked with a story. I, 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 what we're gonna have to do, Yates, is at your new job, we're just gonna have to have you call into the show after Game of Thrones on Mondays and just uh, we can do the recap that way, just like the old days. I don't I don't know. It, it, it just won't be the same without having somebody to spend twenty minutes on my sports radio show to talk Game of Thrones with. That's that's very true. I will that that may be my after Ask Yates Wednesday. That'll probably be my my second most missed segment is the Game of Thrones recap. And we've got Captain Arctic and Rob Blackhawk already tweeting in. 
disappointed with the news, and, and how could you not be losing a huge, huge part of this show? But uh, again, it's 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 for the best, and Yates doing what he's got to do. So we're happy for him in that regard. Although the show will, without a doubt, suffer. Uh, but let's let's move on. Let's get away from the sad stuff and talk about the happy stuff, sports. And uh, your last week was started off right, Yates, with Louisville big win over Virginia. I had to listen to the first half on the radio with Paul Rogers on the way back from Lexington covering the UK game. Got to watch the second half. It, it sounded really like a game that Louisville controlled throughout, and Virginia was lucky to be around, be hanging around. Uh, and had their opportunities. Now, they did get a lead late, and, and the, the score went back and forth there. But uh, obviously, it's a game at Louisville. It was the Cards' senior day, last game of the season. You knew they were going to be up for this game, but I, I think that's pretty encouraging. Even though Virginia without, was without Justin Anderson, Louisville took it to the Cavs, uh, a number one seed, without a doubt. A lot of people have Virginia going to the Final Four. Louisville looked like the better team for the duration of the game. For 40 minutes, Louisville took it to the best defensive team in college basketball, them or Kentucky, uh, and looked like a confident bunch, looked like a much different group than than the the team that came out against Notre Dame and got beat uh, easily on their home floor. And I think it does leave the window open for this Louisville team to maybe maybe make a run in March. Uh, This ACC tournament will will give us a better idea. That's going to be a hell of a game, UNC. Louisville on, I guess, Thursday it'll be. Uh, that will be a good game. And then if the Cards are find a way to do that, to win that game, they'll get another shot at Virginia. Uh, I, I think it unfolds well for Louisville. Again, I think it unfolds well for them to build up momentum, get into March, uh, get into the real tournament. And if they have a, a favorable road, this is still a team that can make the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight or maybe even sneak into the Final Four. That, that seems maybe a bit, uh, seems like a bit of a stretch. But if the matchups are right, I saw enough from Louisville against Virginia to think that, that that's feasible. Again, one game, you, again, you, you don't want Louisville to lose to UNC if, if the Tar Heels end up making it to that game, and I'm sure they will. And that would kind of stall this momentum. But I was very encouraged with, with what I saw against Virginia. Uh, Yates, let's, let's – time for some honesty. What was your thoughts when Matthew Yang caught that ball at the elbow uh, with, with time – winding down against Virginia. Oh crap. <laughs> That's you know how they have those little videos where for the World Cup when USA scores a goal and they have all the different shots of different bars and people going crazy. I would have loved to see a video of that with Matt the Yang's shot. Uh, just have a, a camera and households of Louisville fans throughout the city and throughout the country uh, and and don't edit anything because the people I, I was with did the exact same thing. They were they were furious that Matthew Yang was even in the game. Uh, and then, of course, with him getting the ball with two seconds left, uh, with time winding down, they all had the same reaction. It was a no, 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 yes kind of moment. Uh, the thing about that, and you, that's his second made field goal in 10 games. That's unbelievable. So that's saying in his last 10 games, Yates, Matthew Yang has two more field goals than you, Trevor, and me. Ten games, and this is a guy that plays a lot. It's not like Matt Yang only gets, you know, five minutes a game. Yeah, I mean, you know, he doesn't play 30 minutes a game, but he, he's a contributor. Those were his only two points. Uh, the thing that impressed me the most about that, 
he was so confident as soon as he caught the ball. As soon as he got it, it was, it, it, I guess maybe he knew the time was coming down, but it, he didn't even think twice and knocked it down. Uh, Captain Arctic tweets in, what does that game say more about Louisville or Virginia? I think it says more about Louisville, to be honest. Uh, but it, it does say, it, again, I, if you've listened to the show, you've known that I'm not the biggest Virginia supporter out there. I, I, I don't think they're a top five team. I, I do think they're a team that could obviously make the final four, but I don't, I think there are five teams better than them. I don't think they're a threat to beat Kentucky. And that's how everybody wants to compare teams is can they, or can they not beat Kentucky? So I, I think that game against Louisville kind of just showcased Virginia for what they are. Again, they don't have Justin Anderson, probably they're, Probably their best player. But they're a team that, that has trouble scoring at times. They can go on law. For as, as good as they can be defensively and force droughts that way, they can have that happen to their offense too. And Louisville's not as good as the defensive team as we probably thought they were back in December. But they're still a, a, a solid defensive team, smart. The loss of Chris Jones obviously hurts from a defensive perspective. And offensive, but especially defense. And they, they, Virginia's labored to score. It, it didn't come easy to them whatsoever. So I think this said more about Louisville that they can compete with at a high level against good teams than about Virginia because everything I saw from Virginia against the Cards I already knew, or at least I already expected. And Virginia's been very fortunate to get to twenty-eight and two. And you can make a case that they probably should have been undefeated going into that game. Uh, they, they blew a late lead to Duke at home. That was a huge game for them. But really, the, the signature wins for Virginia's aren't, aren't there. They beat Maryland, which is impressive. They beat VCU, but VCU starting to look more and more like a bubble team. They were able to beat Notre Dame and, and UNC, but UNC has a ton of losses. And able to beat Louisville, but... Louisville's been an okay, has struggled in big games at times. Captain Arctic wants to know why Matt Yang was on the floor if, if he's such a bad offensive uh, choice for Louisville. It, yeah, it's any idea. My only guess would be he's long. He could potentially maybe get a tip in, keep the play alive somehow if, if there was a miss. I, I know it wasn't Patino's idea to let him get that shot off. Why do you think he was in the game on that play? Yeah, yeah, I would think rebounding would be maybe the main thing. Yeah, and when you've got somebody that long and athletic, if if that shot doesn't fall, and I guess maybe Louisville had timeouts anyways, but if that shot doesn't fall and Virginia gets to running back, you, it's better to have as many long athletic players to help defend in that frantic few moments. Uh, there was a timeout after Matt Yang shot, so they were able to get set and, and do that sort of thing. So it ended up not necessarily mattering, and they might have might have even taken him out of the game after that. I'm not, I don't remember. I believe they did. But you want your long athletic guys there in, in case there's a run out. Team gets moving faster. They can block lanes and and claw and get tips and deflect the ball. Uh, and I, I imagine he was just in there for rebounds. But a huge win for Louisville. Like I said, that's going to build some momentum for them going forward. Kentucky's win against Florida. Uh, not, not as exciting towards the end in terms of last-minute drama. 
But it was a, a, a significant win for Kentucky because obviously it capped off a, a perfect regular season. The environment at, at Rupp Arena was great. It was a great atmosphere. It wasn't it wasn't a very emotional senior day with it just being the three walk-ons. But senior day at, at Rupp Arena, if you've ever been to it, it's always special. My old Kentucky home is ever everybody stands up, sings it. A, a funny story about that. I was the the parking. I knew it was going to be a big game and a big atmosphere and a big crowd heading into heading into the game because there was nowhere to park around the arena. And I I don't have a, a media parking pass because they're some they're like four hundred dollars and I didn't cover as many home game. I didn't cover every home game this year, so. I probably covered 10 to 15 and it would just be easier for me to pay for parking instead of having to buy that pass when I wouldn't be using it every week. And, and actually my boss would have been the one to, to buy it. And I don't want him to waste his money to do that. So I, I park in the pot in the parking lot right behind the media lot right next to it. It's only about $10 a game. Uh, it, it just makes more sense. Well, that lot was full and that's the biggest lot for parking at Rupp arena. It's a huge lot. And that was full over an hour before the game. So that's how I knew it was going to be a big, a big game day atmosphere. I had to end up parking way down Main Street and taking the little skywalk into the stadium. It, it was kind of cool because I haven't done that in a long time. Uh, but I'm walking in, so I'm late to the game because it took longer to park. So I probably get in to Rupp Arena around 1.30, 1.40, and I make my way up there and uh, you know, say hey to some media members and some of my friends, and I'm coming down to my media seat while they're singing my old Kentucky home, and there's a big crowd of people blocking the the concourse because everybody's waiting, but I wanted to, to get a picture and tweet out a picture and put a picture into our, our game day message board thread of uh, of the seniors out there, the team out there, and, and, and be able to put it, uh, just, you know, get a photo of it. So, I, I kind of weave and, and dodge my way through, and the usher just literally, and it's an older guy, it's one of the, the blue the blue coats guys, Committee 101, puts his hands on me, and he's like, sorry, man, you're, you're going to have to wait. And I was like, oh, I'm media, I just need to get down to my seat, I can see it, it's right there. And he goes, well, I don't know if you've ever been here before, but this is a tradition, uh, and, and we like to honor that tradition. And I, <laughs> I kind of regret how rude I was to this guy. And I, I later went back and apologized, but I was just like, I've been coming to senior days at UK since 2004. I know what the tradition is. I need to get to my seat so I can take a picture. And then he said, well, you go right on ahead then, partner, in a very sarcastic way. And I did go on ahead. Uh, and I, I later went back and apologized to him. I said I was running late. I needed to get a picture. And he was fine. He understood. And, and that was that. But even but after, but fans were worked up. Everybody was worked up. He was worked up. There was some added pressure. There was some added tension to the game, the crowd. You would have thought that Kentucky needed that win to get in a tur- into the tournament at times with how how tight the crowd, how tightly wound the crowd was. And, and Florida hung around. Florida actually, I think, had the the right blueprint on how you beat Kentucky. They forced, they they doubled everything inside. Was very physical inside. Did a good job of not giving Kentucky wide open looks outside, but they they made it clear that if you're going to, if you want cleaner looks, they're going to have to come from the perimeter. And Kentucky didn't shoot the ball particularly well, so that's why Florida was able to hang around in that game. And, and I don't think 
Kentucky's going to lose in the SEC tournament. I've gone down the list of games they could possibly lose all year. I don't think there's one in the SEC tournament. Maybe Arkansas if they were to play in the finals. But I do think if they were to play Florida for a third time on Friday, they're, they're, Kentucky fans should probably hope Alabama wins. Not because I think either team would beat UK. Just playing them for a third time with Billy Donovan being as good as a coach as he is and, and clearly knowing how to beat Kentucky, it could just make for a ugly, sloppy, low-scoring, maybe seven- to eight-point win where Kentucky fans don't really get to enjoy the game that much because it's, it's a little too close for comfort. And then that would be my prediction if Florida is able to beat Alabama on Thursday. Florida just doesn't necessarily have the talent. I, I'm not sure why. You've got good players. It just hasn't clicked for them this season. So I still think Kentucky would win. It just could be an ugly, sloppy game. We can talk more about that on Thursday when we'll know if they will be playing Florida or Alabama at that point. But Kentucky wins, and I've seen a lot of talk on, on Twitter and even on our message boards about the Rupp Arena crowd and how some of the fans left early and didn't stick around for the 31-0 celebration. And there certainly were, I'd say maybe 1,000, 2,000 people that left with about a minute left, two minutes left, three minutes left to beat traffic. I don't know why you'd do that. It makes no sense to me. You're probably never going to see another 31-0 Kentucky team ever. But that didn't take away from how good of a crowd it was and how good of an atmosphere it was and how loud it got. Yeah, I, I felt it was a really good send-off for a Kentucky team, and I'm, I'm glad they did the T-shirts. I'm glad they had the team speak after the, after the game. And I, I think that was a good way to just take a moment, realize what you've done, let 25, 24,000 fans applaud them, cheer them on, and then do the same thing. Now, this is how the season breaks down now. For Kentucky to go 40-0, there's nine more games. And you break it down, SEC tournament, those are three. And then after that, every two games, every time you go to a new location, it's a two-game tournament. So when Kentucky goes to Louisville, when, they, when they're seated in Louisville, that's a two-game tournament. When they go to Cleveland, two-game tournament. Final four in Indy, two-game tournament. That's how you got to break up the season. That's how Kentucky gets to 40-0. It can be overwhelming to think you gotta, you got to win nine more games after starting 31-0. When you break it down like that, Kentucky has a real chance to make, uh, make history. And it starts this weekend in Nashville. We're going to talk about the SEC tournament. John Calipari has never been a big fan, but says this weekend's for the fans. We'll talk a little bit about that. And, and speaking of the tournament and, and Louisville, Cleveland, Indy, the seedings, it looks, it sounds a lot like Wisconsin and Kentucky are going to be seated together. We're going to talk a little bit more about that after the break here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Don't want to hear about it. Every single one's got a story to tell. Everyone knows about it. From the Queen of England to the Hounds of Hell.
Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here, 1450, the Sports Buzz. Beautiful day here in Louisville. And again, I'm not sure what the rain's supposed to do all week, but if it's if once the rain, when it's warm outside, it's fine by me. Spring practice has started for Kentucky football. It started on Saturday. Cats only have two quarterbacks, so offense coordinator Shannon Dawson has been playing some quarterback. It's, it's still early in spring practice. It's still the typical, well, things are going well. We're a little bit rusty. Not a ton of news has come out of it, so we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about it. There was a, an interesting quote about Stanley Williams from from Mark Stoops. He said he needs to be more consistent on the field and practices and also mentioned the classroom. You hope that that's not a subtle hint because uh, the Cats certainly do need Boom to, to, to be on the field and be eligible and have a big part. Uh, speaking of eligibility... Jim Beheim skips his press conference after the after their game this weekend in a, in a losing effort. Sent an assistant coach out there. It's just Jim Beheim's such a loser. That's just the best word to describe him. He's old and he's a loser and he got caught and he doesn't want to take accountability for it. He had he he had said later in the weekend that he plans on going nowhere. Uh, that these NCAA. The penalties aren't going to force him out. I'm 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 not a hundred percent sure. I, I I he's probably coming back. I guess he, if he said that, then he's probably coming back. But what else would he say at this time? Would he say that he's leaving? Would he say that he's going to retire on the spot? Syracuse has four players committed. You might, if he said that he was going, they would probably try to get out of their LOIs. You might have some players transfer. So I, I think obviously he's going to say what, that he's going to be around. Again, I'm not 100% confident that that's the case, but we'll have to wait and see. I hope he does retire. Syracuse deserves better. Captain Artic asked if I am in favor of the NBA rule of getting the ball midcourt after a made basket. He says that he likes it. Yates, how do you feel about that? Um, I don't. I suppose I'm probably indifferent. I mean, I I don't know that I would necessarily see any reason to change it. I don't. I, mean, I, I guess I like the having to go the full length of the court after a made basket and a timeout. Just it's the way it's always been, and I don't really think there's enough evidence to make me feel like it needs to be changed. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's exciting in the NBA, and I, I, I understand it. it you you want to make games close. You want to get the fans interested. You want to have a team have a chance at any given time. But it, it just seems cheap. I don't know what rule you can justify to, to reward all of a sudden late in the game getting the ball at past midcourt. One of my buddies said that, well, that's the reward if you hold on to your timeout so the, the, the gameplay is better or the, the, the tempo is better throughout the game so there's not as many stops so you get rewarded by holding on to your timeouts late in game by getting the ball at midcourt. But, and and, and I, that, that sounds nice, but then you get in a situation where there's a minute left and you have a coach use four timeouts. 
So does it really speed up the game at that point? So I don't think there's any rule or, or justification for just randomly and almost magically getting the ball at half court. It seems cheap. Again, I get it in the NBA. I, I mean, I don't, I don't really, it doesn't make, the rules don't make any sense, but I understand that it makes the game more exciting and gives a team a chance, but I don't think they should do it in college. And I, I think I'm in the minority. Yates, you're one of the few people that I've talked to about this that seems to agree with me. Most people agree with Captain Arctic where it's, where it'd make it more exciting to give teams chances. It'd be more fun. Maybe that's true, but it, it just, it doesn't seem fair. If your team lost on a, a last second shot with 0.6 seconds left because the other team got to throw it in from past their, you know, beyond midcourt and do a catch and shoot situation, just, it, it's not right. Speaking of late game situations, Yates, did you see the end of the IU game on Saturday? I did not know. That was I saw maybe, I saw parts of it. I saw the the Yogi Ferrell foul for whatever reason they fouled him. Yeah, his, and his missed free throw. If whoever whatever team lost that game, that was going to be such a painful way to lose. Uh, and the thing is, Michigan State deserved. Well, you you could make a case that Michigan State deserved to win, but you could probably make the uh, just as good as a case that they deserved to lose with how they blew that game in the final four minutes. Uh, had a had a nice lead with about three minutes to go. I I don't know if it was eight or eleven points, but it it was a big lead uh, with not a lot of time to go. They allowed Indiana to crawl back in. It just said it, it, it's. That kind of, I, I imagine for IU fans, that the end of that game summed up their season. They had a chance to tie it and couldn't take advantage of it. Just had chance after chance, really, and could never come through when they, when they needed it the most. And again, Michigan State held on to win. Three game losing streak for Indiana. That's. Four out of their last five. Yates, since December, after their December 20th game against Butler, a win, 82-73 to 73 win, since that game, Indiana is a 500 team. Since late December, mid to late December, before Christmas, a 500 team. And I'm not so sure that's good enough to get in the tournament. And they're probably going to. If they lose to Northwestern in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, then then they, I, it will make no sense for if they get to get into the tournament. It wouldn't be fair. You can't close out a season that way and make it. Now, if they beat Northwestern, they'll probably get in. And if you go 20 and 12, and then depending what they do against Maryland – if you're 20 and 12, I I don't know. The bubble's so soft this year. Maybe they get in. Maybe it's deserved. But no way they can justify getting in with a loss to Northwestern. And I was talking with some folks that that are IU fans, and one of them suggested that they don't even want they don't want IU to make the tournament. One because they don't want to to have a reason for Crean to come back. They don't want. They don't want him to be able to put on his resume that they won the tournament, maybe even win a tournament game and get the round of 32, although they feel that's their ceiling, and they're probably not wrong about that. They don't want him to be able to hang his hat on that. 
And two, for some of these younger players, an NIT run where you can possibly get to the championship means more games against uh, okay competition and different in-game experiences than only possibly getting to play one tournament game. So I kind of understand it from that point. But you always, when you're a program like IU, Kentucky, Louisville, UNC, Duke, you always take the tournament over non-tournament, even if it guarantees that you're going to be one and done. You always take the NCAA tournament over the NIT. You can't justify not doing that. But I do understand their point, and especially about Crean. But here's the thing. I, I think the Big Ten tournament, and again, if you know me and when it comes to basketball, I'm always very fond of teams that have shooters. I, and Even when I'm scouting players and, and doing some recruiting stuff, if a player can shoot and knock down shots, I always think more highly of that player than someone that's not. Give me a shooter over somebody who's athletic but can't shoot. And I realize that I'm biased, and I realize in that bias I'm wrong a lot of times because Indiana is a team that can shoot really, really well, but they're not a very good team. So I, I, I think probably higher of Indiana than most people do when thinking when, when you know I don't know how they've lost four of their last five games, but I do think the Big Ten tournament sets up well for them to possibly make a semifinal appearance. Maybe even a championship game appearance because maybe not maybe not a championship game appearance, but I, I think they can get, I think they can get by Maryland and that's who they would play if they were to beat Northwestern. I'm not I'm not too high on Maryland. We'll have to wait and see, but it, without a doubt, if they lose to Northwestern, they're done. I, I can't believe that the season has gotten to this point. Captain Ark says he'd love to get IU in the second round and just shred them. And it looked like that could have been the case. It looked like at one point that it could have been an 8-9, Indiana being that 8-9 game, get seeded to Louisville because look at the storylines in that. You get the Hoosiers and the Cats who haven't played each other in the regular season since 2000, haven't played each other, period, since 2012. Uh, they used to play each other every year. The series stopped. Who was in the wrong... You could be a dream matchup in the KFC Yum Center. That's where Indiana and Kentucky used to play. That's where John Calipari wants them to play now, along with Indianapolis. I thought that if Indiana would be good enough to get in that 8-9 game, you were going to have it, circle it, without a doubt, NCAA would make that happen. Now they're not good enough to be an 8 or 9 seed, so it can't happen. So I thought that was interesting, and... Mike DeCourcy had a great article today going in on the NCAA about how ridiculous their seeding, how they seed teams in the NCAA tournament. We've talked a lot about this. They put such an emphasis on geography. They put it, they, that, they, that's their higher priority than seeding teams based on merit. So, as it should go, the number one overall one seed should play the number eight ranked team or the the worst two seed. But, of course, he talked about it, and the, the, the head of the selection committee talked about this weekend saying that that's not the way they're going to do it. They're going to stick to geography. That's what's important to them. And then there have been countless articles just talking about how stupid this is, how... They need to change it. 
and how it makes no sense. And I'm glad to see it. Now, I don't know if there's going to be enough time for all this media attention to impact this year. But a change is going to come with this probably, probably next year, if not this year. You're, just, you're not doing Wisconsin a favor. You're not doing Kentucky a favor by making those two teams play in the Elite Eight. And, and I'm of the, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Wisconsin, assuming that they win the Big Ten tournament, I wouldn't be shocked if they snuck in and, and got, a, got a one seed. You look at their resume and what they've been able to do, I would take their resume over Villanova right now. Right now. And if Villanova were to lose in the Big East tournament, then I think that's certainly going to change things. But Villanova, they've got two losses, both on the road. One to Seton Hall. Not a great loss, but that's okay. Wisconsin lost to Rutgers. Losing to Rutgers is a worse loss than that. Doesn't get much worse than losing to Rutgers. But they didn't have Frank Kaminsky, so... You put an asterisk next to that. And then they lost to Georgetown at Georgetown. Tough game. Beaten by 20. That's a blowout. You don't want to have that significant of a loss. But not, they aren't, those two losses aren't terrible. But they don't really have the, the good wins to back those up. They were able to get Georgetown back. They've beaten Butler. They've beaten Providence. They've beaten St. John's. Those are probably tournament teams. But not not great tournament teams, not teams that I the people are gonna pencil into their sweet sixteens. The wins just don't add up for Villanova. And, and I just wish common sense was used more in seeding. I mean, look at Wisconsin and look at Villanova. Yeah, I know you have to do you have to give it to who deserves it more. But when it's a toss up and a coin flip, just give it to the better team. I think we all know Wisconsin's better than Villanova. But we'll see. There's, with how much attention that Wisconsin possibly being in Kentucky's region has already gathered and the buzz already surrounding it, if that happens on Selection Sunday, ooh, it's going to be a fun few days before the tournament starts with people complaining, especially Kentucky fans, but national media and, and Wisconsin fans. There's going to be a lot of ticked-off people. And I can't say that I... I can't say that I blame him. It's not the right thing to do. Clay B116 says, if Virginia loses first ACC tournament game, you can make an argument for Wisconsin over UVA for the one seed. And I agree. And maybe not even their first. Maybe if they lost to Louisville or UNC. And Arizona is in the conversation for a one seed as well. Now, that wouldn't do Kentucky or Wisconsin any favors. But if Arizona cruises to the Pac-12 championship Wisconsin cruises to a big big 10 championship and then you had Villanova lose and not win the big east with potentially you know you can only have one one of Duke or Virginia maybe win the ACC but what if Duke and Virginia what if neither one of those teams won what if Notre Dame or Louisville or UNC won then it gets really interesting then you have four teams Really, uh, five teams. Five teams battling for three number one seeds. And obviously, I think Duke would have to be in there just because of how impressive their wins are. But then you put up Wisconsin's resume with any of the other teams, and they're right there. 
And I, I, I talked about how Gonzaga was overrated, and I didn't think they were very good. And then, sure enough, they lose at home to BYU. Now they're not in contention for a one seed. So I'm, I'm now I'm going to use that mojo for Villanova. They're they're a fine team. They're a fun team. They're a good offensive team. They're 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 exciting to watch. I like the style of basketball they're playing. But they don't deserve to be a one seed. They're not one of the top four teams in the country. And I think they will lose in the Big East tournament. And I don't think they'll get a one seed. We'll have to wait and see. We're going to head to commercial break. We'll come back, wrap up this Monday show here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Stick around. Listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Back fifty, the Sports Buzz, as you just heard. <clears throat> Brun DMC texts into the show and says he wasn't listening to the first half and wanted to know if I mentioned that Tim Tebow might attend the Veteran Combine and that he was working with Tom Brady's personal throw coach over the past two years and has has improved his throw. Uh, no, I did not mention that. Uh, I haven't really talked a lot of football the last few weeks. I'm not really big on the, I know this is the combine, the veteran combine, but I won't be talking a ton about the NFL draft uh, over the next few weeks, unlike everywhere else. Going to keep the focus in on basketball, although that does kind of surprise me that Tebow might come back at a team that he had been at peace with being out of the NFL. I like Tebow. I, I hope whatever he wants, it works out for him. Seems like a, a, a good guy. And he's good on TV. He obviously knows football. I would like to see him stay there, if at all possible. We were talking seating and the possibility of Kentucky and Wisconsin playing in Cleveland. It's about a six-and-a-half-hour drive from Madison to Cleveland. Definitely doable. Uh, and it's about a 12-hour drive from Madison, Wisconsin, to Syracuse. So it is a, it is a significant difference, although I, I do think – I don't think you're going to have a ton of Wisconsin fans travel seven hours. But you may, and you probably also have more – that's Big Ten country in Cleveland. So you probably got people from Chicago. It's – only about four hours from Chicago. You'll have those people more likely. So Wisconsin would draw well in Cleveland. There's no doubt about that. I just don't think that should be the, the deciding factor in, in how you seed teams. If it was one hour or two hours, then sure. And at that point, it'd probably be a disadvantage to Kentucky, a big disadvantage. But it's still a significant drive. And, and, and Wisconsin's not going to drive there. Captain Arg says, can't they just have a little sense of logic and do the right thing? 
That's what I. That's what I'm saying. And there's been so much pressure. It'd be a big power move for them to follow through and put Wisconsin and Kentucky together. That would be the the selection committee's way of just giving a big middle finger and saying we don't care what you see, what you think, what you're right about. This is what we're doing. Or they'll realize that if they were to do that, it's going to be a firestorm, and you try to avoid it because, again, it'd be the smart thing to do. Time will tell. Less than a week from being able to from being able to fill out brackets. It's an exciting time. I watched the today after I got done working earlier this morning. I watched the UK fan made documentary, The Six Man, on Netflix. All UK fans can watch it if you have Netflix. It's about two hours long, an hour and 40 minutes. And it, I was surprised with how good it was. Maybe my expectations were low. But it was really, really well done. Really put together well. I mean, they talked to, you name a, a celebrity UK fan, they talked to him. They talked to John Wall, Terrence Jones, Rex Chapman in better times. You name a, a, a famous UK player and they probably talked to him. And it, it, it started, I didn't really like the way it started out. And if you all have seen this, if you've seen the, the film, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't and you're a UK fan, you should watch it. It'll really get you pumped up for, for March Madness. But it, I didn't like the way it started out. It, it, it really had the feel that it was going to do more harm to UK fans than, than a celebration of UK fans. And, and, for some people, maybe it, it did do more harm. Uh, there were certainly some, oh my gosh, Kentucky fans are insane. And there are some that are insane. But the beginning, it had a feel that, oh, they're just going to touch on all the all the rednecks and the, the, the minority but vocal part of the fan base, and this is going to get ugly. But it turns around, it turns around and it's, it's really well put together. And it... Uh, little emotional, too, at times. A really, really good piece, and you should watch it. If you do watch it, let me know what you think. Again, it's on, it's on Netflix. Six Man. Enjoyable. I, I said about Brun DMC that I wasn't going to talk football, but I have to bring this up, and I forgot to mention it earlier. Randall Cobb coming back to the Packers. I can't. Oh, man, I was so pumped when that news came. It was Saturday night. Really capped off just a, a, a great weekend. So he'll come back. He could have got significantly more money other places. Decides he wants to be a Packer, play with the best quarterback in the NFL. And that makes me very happy. Green Bay did, it didn't re-sign A.J. Hawk, and there's a chance he could end up re-signing unless – I know he was visiting the Bengals, and maybe I haven't heard any news about that. But as a Packers fan, I think Green Bay just needs to keep everybody together because they were the best team in the NFL last year. So keep everybody together. 
focus on winning more regular season games so you can play at home and everything will take care of itself. So that will probably be the extent of the NFL talk. It's going to be a, a big weekend in Louisville with the St. Patrick's Day celebration on Saturday. A bigger weekend in Nashville. Tickets for the SEC tournament just bonkers crazy. Anybody that's been to the SEC tournament in Nashville knows just how big of a spectacle it is. Again, probably be thirty to 40,000 U.K. fans down there. Only you know 18,000 are going to get in the building. It's a, it's a great time of the year. I, I am curious to see where U.K. fans flock to the most. Will it be Nashville for the SEC tournament? Will it be Louisville for the first and second round? I've got a, a funny feeling that U.K. is not going to have a great presence in, in Cleveland. And then if U.K. obviously made the Final Four, it would be a great showing there. I'm, I'm curious where U.K. fans want to spend their money this March. Because you can't really do all those trips. You can't go follow U.K. basketball for four straight weekends uh, without it being incredibly pricey. If I were a U.K. fan and, and you were planning on one big trip, I would I'd put all my eggs in the Final Four basket, and I realize how risky that is, and we talked about it on the show last week, just how my family and my mom and, and even me <laughs> were burned doing that. But I, I think I, I, that's going to be something special if U.K. can make it to Indy. But I'd rank it. Man, this is tough. I'd go Indy first. If possible. Second, I would go Nashville for the SEC tournament. That's just a that's a really really fun weekend. You get UK three straight days if if everything goes to plan for the Cats. That that's a fun fun trip. Then I'd go Louisville, and I and I hate that I have Cleveland last because I think more Kentucky fans need to get there for that game. And Cleveland's a fun city. It's underrated as a city. I mean, it's not underrated as a sports city because it's just a, the Indians are losers, the Browns are losers, the Cavs historically have been losers. But as a city to go out and drink and watch sports, it can be pretty fun. So that would be last, but it, it's tough. So I'd go Indy, Nashville, Louisville. Louisville's going to be really fun because it's, again, you're going to have a ton of UK fans just in downtown Louisville, without the Louisville fans. It's, it, it was unique. It was a unique, unique sight to see in 2012. It would be more of the same this year. But the thing about Louisville is Kentucky's obviously going to beat the 16 seed. So you really only get one good game there. So I'm, I may even put Cleveland ahead of Louisville. I don't know. It's a tough call. We'll talk more about this later in the week. Again, no show Tuesday and Wednesday. That's the plan right now. We will be back Thursday. If something changes, I'll put it out there on Twitter. And you'll know about it. Thanks for listening. We will be back Thursday on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll see you then. Uh, they say welcome to the 502 Take a Jordan boy, show them how Kentucky do Oprah Priest, classics, paint Kentucky blue They say don't forget 2-7, over hitting two Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome Ride from the bill to BG in my zone